Welcome to Section 9, where we talk about IT and information security. I'm Damian Hall. And I'm Dorothy. And today we're going to be talking about uh, LogWatch, PostFix SMTP server, and the UFW firewall in Ubuntu. And what I'm trying to do here is set up log analysis on our cloud servers. And what we're looking for here is something super basic, and that's what LogWatch will do for us. Now, this is not uh, centralized logging here. We're going to do this individually on all four of our, our cloud servers on DigitalOcean. Now, if you're in a larger environment, you're going to want something more sophisticated, maybe something like Splunk or the Elk stack. These will do much better log analysis than LogWatch, I believe. Um, and you're going to have this on one server. You're going to send all your logs to that one server, and you're going to have your log analysis happen on that particular box. In our case, we're going to install LogWatch on all four of our servers if we, if we decide that that's the solution we want to go with. Again, I'm going to do it on one server first, test it, and see how that, how that works out. Um, and again, it's going to be very basic. So we're going to have to see what kind of information we get from this. And currently, we get nothing because we don't have any log analysis at all. Now, in order for LogWatch to send us messages or a summary of what's going on with our particular server, we need to have a way for it to send email. And in order to do that, I'm going to install the PostFix mail server. In fact, I've already done that. And what PostFix does is it's just your SMTP server. And for those who don't know, SMTP is the simple mail transfer protocol. And this is how mail gets sent around the internet. And PostFix is something that I've used a lot in the past. Haven't used it recently. Uh, well, it's been years since I've installed it and done anything with it. Um, but again, this is how we're going to get LogWatch to send us an email. Now, there is a bit of an issue to getting this to work. So let's talk about our domain and how that actually functions with Microsoft 365 and Exchange Online. So Microsoft Exchange Online is configured to accept email for Section 9.us. And our server is using a subdomain. So it's going to be the name of the server dot section 9.us. And the issue we're going to have here is that that's not technically allowed because we have certain things set up in Exchange. We have certain things set up in DNS. And in DNS, we have an SPF record. And this is the sender policy framework, and it specifies which mail servers are allowed to send email for our domain. So I'm going to have to check within 365 and our SPF record in DNS how that was configured. Exactly what does it say in the SPF record? So that I know what servers are allowed to send email. Uh, so there's a bit of a, a learning curve there for me in terms of finding the right places in, in Exchange Online and then looking at the SPF record in DNS to find out what's going on there. And then I also want to find out if there's a way in Exchange Online to just whitelist our server and say, accept email from this server. Forget about everything else, just accept the email. Because if I do that, then it's going to be straightforward. There's going to be some configuration I have to do on... on uh, the PostFix mail server configuration side of things for some other stuff, but that would make it super easy because no matter what, it's just going to accept the email and we're going to be fine. Now, um, before we get to that piece, uh, and I've already done this, but we have to talk about the UFW firewall. Now, this stands for the uh, uncomplicated firewall. That's what UFW stands for. It's on Ubuntu. Uh, I enabled this on our server. And you have to be careful about how you enable this 
because you have services that are running on there. So one of them is going to be SSH. So that's how I remotely access the server. And if you just go in there and turn on the firewall, it's going to block that. So you're going to get kicked out of the box because the firewall is going to say, I'm not allowing SSH. I wasn't configured for that. Go away. So what you want to do is you want to identify the services you have running on a particular box before you turn on the firewall. And when you identify those services, you're going to allow those services into the system. So you're going to allow those ports so those services can function properly. People on the outside, so if if SSH, which is typically on port 22, is on the box and you want that available on the internet side, you know, you want to be able to log in through SSH, you have to make sure that the firewall allows port 22 traffic into the box. So you would unblock port 22, and then you would turn on your firewall. And then when you do that, the firewall allows you to access the box through SSH. Otherwise, it's going to just kick you out. So in this case, what I did is I used Netstat to look at the services I have on the box and make sure that I use Netstat um, to list all the services and the port numbers. So you can do, uh, on a Linux machine, you can do Netstat-LTN, and that lists the services that are listening. It's going to do TCP with the T option. And then N gives you the numbers. Instead of a name, because sometimes what will happen is it will say SSH. But what port number is that? You know, sometimes it will say HTTP. But what port number is that? Because you want to put the port number into your firewall config. Now, sometimes you can do HTTP. But if it's a different port number, that's not going to work. Like if you have a web server... Maybe it's not on port 80, it's port 8080 or something like that. And you do HTTP, well, that's the wrong, that may be the wrong port number. So there's a lot of things you got to pay attention to when you set up the firewall piece. Um, so let's just briefly summarize here because I went through a lot of things. Um, this is kind of a smallish project, but there are still lots of moving parts. So we have LogWatch, we have the SMTP server with PostFix, we have the UFW firewall settings, we have services. And then we have an email configuration where we want to send email from our subdomain to Exchange Online. And we want to have that email accepted. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts to this. So any thoughts to some of this? Are you like overwhelmed? Because when I started this project, I thought, oh, it's going to be simple, right? We're going to put, it, put the logwatch in there. We're going to put the SMTP in there. And we're going to send the email. And it's going to be good to go. And then I realized real quickly that... LogWatch is installed and, and is doing stuff, but the email piece is not working. And I was like, oh, of course it's not working. But it didn't occur to me that it wasn't going to work until I actually did it and I got no email. So my question to you is, um, you know, obviously we're installing this in our servers to learn how to read the log to see if there is anything weird or different in the log that we're supposed to identify. But when you're doing a project like this, how do you determine what emails need to be sent to us? Like, do you spend a whole month doing a baseline to see what comes up and then just say, okay, that's important enough to send an email? How do you do that? So LogWatch will do that for us. LogWatch will analyze the logs and then send us an email. So we're going to have to see that in action before we can make any determination of how we want to configure LogWatch. 
but LogWatch is the one that sends the email. We don't send any emails. But but if we have a specific concern that maybe is not on the parameter that LogWatch seems to think that needs to send an email, are, are we able to configure it in a way that we can say, okay, these are the emails that LogWatch will send because it's configured in a certain way and it's just things, these are important, but we have this other piece that we want an additional security thing to maybe send us an email when something is sent like that. Can we configure it to do that? Yes. Now, LogWatch is very basic, so there are some things that we're going to have to look at in terms of how LogWatch is configured. Anytime you use tools like this, you have to go and configure them. You have to do like what you said. You do a baseline. Okay, we're going to get some emails from LogWatch, and we're going to say, okay, uh, what's in the email? What's going on here? What do we have? We're going to look at the configuration of LogWatch, and we're going to say, okay, what is LogWatch configured to look at? What options do we have to sort of fine-tune LogWatch? We may have lots of options. I don't know. We may have very few options. I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. And back when I used to use this, all I would do is turn it on and let it go. So I never really bothered to go look at the details of how this thing is configured. I, I think for me it would be, and, and this is how I'm going to approach it, because I've never really uh, looked at a log and tried to figure out what it means without having to do the research prior to that. But, I, you know, do you think it would be a good approach to, you know, I'm looking at these logs that I don't understand what they mean, and then I get this email from LogWatch, so... You know, I can look at the email and go, okay, what is LogWatch trying to say? What am I supposed to be looking at that is going to be important enough for, for this to trigger an email? And and then what does that mean? Is that how I'm supposed to be able to Well, learn? you're, you're kind of sort of going in the right direction. So let's, let's get LogWatch in there. Let's get the email working and let's look at an email that we get from LogWatch. So in, in this particular case, it's really hard to answer those questions because we don't have an email yet. Well, and, and and I think, you know, for somebody like me that doesn't have the IT experience that you have, when I'm looking at something that I don't understand, my first thought is, how do I go about learning this? Where, where do I begin to, to try to comprehend what this means? And, and, you know, for me, the only logical thing in my head is like, look at the email and try to understand what the email is saying and then go back and look at the log and see what it is that the email was looking at or that LogWatch was looking at to be able to trigger this email. I, mean, I just want to know if that that's the way to do it or is that... I think we're going to have to look at the documentation for LogWatch. First, we need to get LogWatch to function, right? It needs to be able to send us an mm. email. So it's on the box, it's doing stuff, but we need it to send us an email first. Yeah, and well, I, you asked me what my thought was, <laughs> so I just well, wanted to. No, but that's that. All of that's good, but first you got to get it working, mm -hmm. and then we can go back in there and tweak it. And this is true of all of these tools. Whether you have Splunk, you have, uh, you know, Elk Stack, you need to get the thing working to where it's looking at logs, and then you can go in there and say, okay, let's start to tweak this thing. Because if you do too many things up front, then you may have issues where hey, the thing is not even looking at the logs. What's going on? So get the thing working first, then go back in and tweak it. Well, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my other second thought is this. Um, we're installing this in several servers. 
And then anytime we do a project, one of the things that you've always taught me was, okay, um, how long does it take to maintain this? And is that too much time taken away from our projects? So, you know, will we be looking at that again? So this is interesting here. So so we also have to think about the management piece of this. Mm-hmm. That's what you're kind of getting at. Right. In terms of how hard is this to manage? So when I when I looked at the options, because we could do we could do the elk stack, we could look at other options that may be out there, although I think elk might be the best one out of all of the other options we may have access to, uh, in terms of looking at our logs, analyzing the logs, because I could put the elk stack on the actual server. However, that's a lot to put on to a server that's doing specific things. I may not want to have those kinds of services on that particular box. So uh, if I were to go the centralized route, which is the way larger organizations are going to do things, that's a project that immediately says to me, too much work. Well, that's the thing is is when you're looking at, you know, part of the reason why you decided to not do the centralized log is because we're small. We're just trying to learn how to read the logs. You know, that's fine. But then if you're looking at the amount of work that is going to take to manage this, uh, you know, the, the log watch, you know, and the amount of time that it would take you to do a centralized thing. And let's say crazy, because we don't know. Let's say that it would just take almost as long as to, you know, to maintain this as it would be to, you know, set it up, set something up for centralized things. Then at that time, you know, I think that, you know, what would be your answer? Would you go centralized or would you go, nah? Well, that's the thing that we have to take into consideration. So the big thing for me in this particular case, and the reason why I say that the centralized version is too much work for us is that we would have to run another server. Right. So we would have to maintain that another server. Now, there's lots of documentation out there on how to set up things like the Elk stack and and get centralized logging working. You do have to do some tweaking to that because you have to to tweak it for our particular environment. We have to get, like you said, we want the right kind of information coming to us. So we have to tell the Elk stack what to look for, what logs to go to, what, you know, how to analyze things. There it's going to do some of that automatically for us, but you do have to uh tweak that a bit so so that's something that that you have to take into consideration it's not none of these tools are going to be automatic even log watch is not automatic you still have to tweak it somewhat um but the question that i have to ask myself is can i afford to run another server because that server has to be on all the time in order for me to do centralized logging so where is that server going to live if it's going to live on DigitalOcean, i got to pay for that if it's going to live in our lab environment, then I got to keep the lab environment up and running all the time to collect all that data. And then I have to then redesign the network to support an internal server or a server that is uh, collecting data from the internet side of things. So there may be a security risk involved in that. I need to analyze all of that. So there's a lot of moving parts to this particular project when it comes to centralized logging versus using something like LogWatch on individual systems. Well, then, and, and my third question would be to you is, okay, we're going to do this to, you know, be able to read the logs on the server. But once that we see that and we see like, oh my gosh, this is a really good thing to have security-wise. 
Um, what does that do for the rest of our network? Are we going to then have a plan to have the logs in every uh, device in the network to be able to do that? I mean, that would be too much, wouldn't it? So don't don't confuse what we have on the network with what we have on the servers in the cloud. They're not related. I, I'm not, but I'm just saying, you know, if somebody were to infiltrate the network, we would have to be looking at the logs, and, you know, to be able to identify it. Are we going to set up things that come in for us to be able to identify that and send us an email, or are we not going to do that? So that's a whole separate project. So focus on the one that we're on right now. Okay. That's an interesting idea, and that's something we need to talk about. But in this case, we're only talking about the cloud server. So the scope of this particular project is what's happening on our cloud servers? What's what's inside the logs of our cloud servers that we're not seeing? And, and what you want to be careful of when you're doing your IT projects is that you don't have what they call uh, scope creep, where the scope of your project is cloud servers. And the scope of your project grows to incorporate everything. Right, and that is one of my flaws, because I look at this and then I go, oh my God, okay, if we can see this in this device... So we need to be doing this for everything so then we can be like super secure. And that is the reason why I wanted to ask that question, because I understand that this project is about the server, it's about the server logs and what we can learn from that. But it's easy to go down the rabbit hole. That's, that's part, I mean, I don't know if other people that are trying to learn IT do this. I know I do. And I know it's something that, you know, if you make the project that big, how are you going to learn well, and, and let's go back to our project management process. What is the goal of this? The goal of this is to... Learn to read the server log. Well, no. Le the goal is to understand what's happening with our cloud servers. Okay. And in order for us to do that, we need to do log analysis and get the data from that and have that sent to us automatically. That's the goal. So if that's the goal, we can't incorporate anything outside of that. Understood. The other stuff that you're talking about is important, but it's not the goal of this particular project. Now, one thing that I did leave out, and there's lots of other little bits and pieces here that I've not mentioned yet, but one of the things that we want to do with the, the firewall piece, I should point out that the firewall is not turned on on our cloud servers. And the reason for that is that all of the services that we have on our cloud servers need to be available on the internet. Because there are DNS servers, there's SSH, we want to be able to access the system remotely, so that has to be open. DNS has to be open because those DNS servers talk to each other. And when people look up section9.us, they have to be able to get to that DNS server to be able to know where to go. If, we wanna, if somebody wants to send us an email, then those DNS servers have to be there in order for people to know, uh, their system to know where to go to send the email, right? So there's nothing on our uh, servers at the moment, except for one, that requires me to prevent somebody from accessing that particular service. So when we talk about the SMTP server, that service is local to the box. I don't want outside people having access to that service. Right. So when I configure the firewall, I'm allowing for things like SSH, I'm allowing for things like DNS, but I'm not allowing SMTP. That's blocked. So that's why we have that there. So again, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Even as I, I you know, talk about these things and we're recording the show, I'm remembering that, oh, hey, I didn't explain this. I didn't talk about that. 
So as we move forward with this project, you and I are going to be talking about new stuff that I forgot to mention here, new stuff that we learn about LogWatch, new stuff that we learn about the logs, new stuff that we learn about email. So there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration when you're looking at even small project like this. Because, you know, the main thing I want to do now is learn how the SMTP server is supposed to be configured and get it to communicate properly with uh, Exchange Online so that we get the email. Right. Um, but I think that's it for now. If you have any comments or questions, you can send us an email at support at section9.us. If you want to take a look at our show notes, I will have some information in there about uh, LogWatch, SMTP, and Exchange Online. Uh, you can go to our website for that. And if you haven't subscribed to our show, please do so. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.